Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. While the arrival of vaccines is encouraging, we still remain very much in the midst of a pandemic impacting almost every aspect of our personal and professional lives. Since the spring, OSCPA has covered the pandemic extensively, and in this episode, you'll hear from top experts on various areas you need to be aware of while the pandemic continues to alter the way we live. Tiffany Pollard is a risk services practice leader at William Vaughn Company and told me that even during a pandemic, you can still encounter scammers. And unfortunately, they are using this difficult time to prey on the fears of businesses and employees. Tiffany suggested putting a plan in place of how to react to a potential phishing attack. She said this way, if it happens to you, you're not reacting in fear, but in competence because you've planned and prepared for this. But of course, phishing is still something that is ever so prevalent. So you should be watching for those emails that you just don't recognize or we're not expecting um, we're having so much more communication via emails or texts. So instead of being able to walk down the hall and talk to one of your team members and verify content or just talk through content face-to-face, -face, we're now doing a lot of emails. So making sure that if you receive an attachment and were you expecting that attachment, is the email chain and the domain that you're being sent from a valid domain? Is it somebody you were expecting a content from an attachment to open? And if you weren't, it, it doesn't hurt to just call up and verify. Um, I always say trust but verify because you don't want to be on the receiving end of a malware or something of a credential being compromised, which then turns into something you know more concerning when you have to deal with um, data being uh, compromised and making sure that you know you're being secure. I think anybody would say that they would appreciate a call to verify. And you just mentioning, you know, obviously our the way people communicate now, it's a lot virtual than before when you were in the office, which makes me curious, is are you hearing anything um, in regards to Zoom? And you know these like video meetings and and how the increased use of this technology is impacting these scams we saw it at the very beginning with zoom in regards to people getting onto zoom calls that were not supposed to be on there so whether they were being disruptive and making a scene or of course you want to be cognizant of the fact that you're conducting business now virtually and you don't need to have people listening into things that they should not be aware of or have the need to know. So Zoom initially was a concern from that fashion. Now that passwords have been added onto Zoom meetings, that has been remediated to a good point. Um, but we're also seeing cyber criminals take advantage of this from a phishing content. So you may receive a Zoom link that you're expecting to get on for a Zoom call, but maybe that was a malicious link that was sent to you and you're just quickly looking through your emails, you see the Zoom invite, you quickly click on that link and now all of a sudden you have malware on your computer. So I take this back to that trust but verify, um, be mindful with what you're clicking, checking the link to make sure by hovering over it where is it going to take you. 
just so that way you're not accidentally clicking on that fake Zoom link and then getting that content that's more malicious that you otherwise obviously were not looking for. And I'm curious, what are you hearing from your clients? Are they telling you that they're experiencing and seeing these things? Or is this something that they've, you know, heard about, but hasn't really impacted them yet? No. So unfortunately, we are hearing things um, within our community. It's the unfortunate world that we live in, um, especially with that EIDL loan instance I gave earlier, that fraudulent activity is occurring. It's, it's really unfortunate. Cyber criminals they make good money when it comes to this. And we're seeing that in recent reports that said, you know, back in 2015, I think they were making close to $3 trillion worldwide when it comes to their estimated revenues. And we're expecting that to grow to around 6 trillion by 2021. So, so long as cyber criminals have a profitable organization or they're meeting the agenda that they're working towards, um, we're going to continue to see this risk within our community and, of course, worldwide. Those in mergers and acquisitions are also seeing a shift, said Cheryl Ashenbrenner, CPA, National Leader in Partner and Transaction Advisory Services at Sickage LLP. She mentioned specifically declines in discretionary spending, supply chain restrictions on travel, the availability of international workers, and exchange rate fluctuations. I'm sure I'm not going to be alone in these terms, but we're hearing a lot of new terms that are being introduced, um, such as a COVID bump or EBITDA has changed to EBITDAC, so adding that little COVID at the end of it. So, um, you know, and expected values or asking prices, you know, may need to be adjusted. Uh, a larger portion of that purchase price is, is, is being looked at and, and being paid out in earnouts, um, such as longer earnout periods. And, and rollover equity is really being introduced a, a bit more um, because the valuations are going to be based more on future results. So trying to figure out what, what, what COVID impact happened to that company. And another um, pop-up that we're seeing is, is working capital has obviously been altered quite significantly in deals. You know, there's, there's changes in cash positions over the past months, you know, such as holding on to cash longer, delaying those payables, um, just the customers of the companies themselves delaying cash, cash payments to, to them. So that cash, that cash collection timing has really become a huge um, trend that we're seeing. So really looking at that working capital is key. And I know earlier, Cheryl, you mentioned uh, the supply chain has really been impacted by this. What um, are you hearing from those in the supply chain and how they're dealing with the fallout from the pandemic? You know, that's a, that's a very interesting question because, right, there's, as I mentioned, there's that forwards and the backwards supply chain. So it's really making sure the company is is looking both forward and backwards so looking forward it's it's talking with their customers you know re-engaging with some customers and making sure that they because a lot of people do have customer concentrations so if the, if that's the case you know where are they with their supply chains you know it's it's a tr it's a trickle effect and then backwards you know a lot of a lot of our a lot of companies um it, 
their supply chains are even coming from international sources. So a lot of people saw a couple bumps with, with China and just the, the whole Asian market um, because their pause happened a bit earlier than, than ours in, in the United States. So how that impacted them was, was really uh, a, a throw in their supply chains. And how would you say that this has maybe impacted those who were planning on transactions, people maybe being more fearful to move forward, or have there been any positives? There's always a positive and a negative, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of entrepreneurs and owners out there obviously looking to sell their businesses. And I think what we're seeing on that side is they may have to adjust their expectations about price and ex extend their timelines. Um, I, I really expect that you're gonna see a larger portion of the purchase price being paid in earnouts or rollover equity because the valuations are gonna be based more on those future results. And, and what you're seeing is, is a few more sellers coming to the table and it's definitely a seller's marketplace. Um, there's a lot of business owners out there, especially in the family held type business situations where they've been through the 08 and 09 and they're looking forward and, and, and it, it's a great time to sell. I mean, this is the perfect time. There's, there's so many factors playing into it, be it the pandemic, be it the political situation, be it the tax rates, um, the price of capital. So there's obviously the positives there. Um, but cash flow is going to be key. So, you know, really looking at what what has been the historical cash flows from operations and what are they now and what will they be going forward. So um, some of the negatives, you know, many companies have delayed capital expenditures. So what impact is that going to have on the purchase price or sales price? Um, again, the, the remote environment or just just the whole IT impact um, is, is going to be a little bit different going forward and making sure that those are all in alignment. So I think the key is going to be, you know, showcasing their path to recovery and just what change that may have done in revenue, be it positive or negative, you know, and, and, and laying out, it's no longer just, just laying out a five-year plan. I think we've all realized it's now looking six, 12, 18 months. Um, and, you know, just, structuring and, and showing their updates to to that change in structure to their working or operating capital and then showcasing the connections to their customers and that supply chain and as well their employees. Um, I, I, there, there's a lot of employee fatigue out there as well. So showcasing how they've kept their employees engaged because there's nothing worse than a company being out on the market and, and the new buyer coming in and seeing tired employees. So I think that's gonna be a huge, huge impact um, to those planning transactions going forward. CPAs and accountants are viewed as financial experts, but that doesn't mean they can't benefit from guidance when it comes to personal spending during a pandemic. Ashira Nelson, CPA and tax manager at Apple Growth Partners, told me about how the stress and uncertainty of this time can impact personal finances. I have a new budget I adopted since, I would say 100% adopted it since April. So I like to do my budgets in advance for the next month. So I adopted a pandemic budget. And what that entails was kind of evaluating what is my needs versus my wants and eliminating things that I didn't need during this time. And some good examples are my gym membership, daycare, car insurance, um, 
online shopping, entertainment, gas. I'm not driving right now as much. Um, I don't need to include as much gas in my budget. I can now allocate that to my savings so that I'm stacking up there. And I think so my budget has played it. It has made a huge adjustments during this time. Um, I'm noticing during this time, I have to stay committed and constantly reevaluate my budget. It, it's, been, it's been different. It's been very different, but with every decision, every new challenge, it's okay to adjust each month. Um, no budget is the same. Like March, I had my normal budget. April, it's like, okay, let's explore a pandemic budget. And as I got more comfortable and realized that things weren't changing yet, Corona is still here and we're not going back yet. It's like, okay, be, be okay with these new changes. And it's okay to just make new adjustments to my budget and forgive myself when things don't go exactly as planned. And I love that perspective of giving yourself a little grace during this time when you're, you know, trying to figure things out, um, reallocating your budget and, and kind of knowing, you know, like maybe there are certain things that will pop up and, and you do have to spend money on those unexpectedly, but just kind of having that frame of reference. And, and I also think it's really smart too, like you mentioned, to constantly be going back and thinking, you know, like, does this make sense? How can things be adjusted? Like when you mentioned, um, like entertainment, just like going out, that's not happening as much. So maybe where can you shift that money somewhere else? Absolutely. And that's all about what it's about. The making a plan for your money, finding better ways to allocate your funds. It's always just a really smart financial move. A lot of people's, unfortunately, their job security is up in the air um, because of everything that has changed um, during the pandemic. Is there anything that you would suggest to people who are maybe thinking, I don't know if I'm going to have a job in two to three months, or like you mentioned, I don't know if my spouse is going to have a job in two to three months. Mm -hmm. Any advice for those people? Absolutely. Um, I think during this time, you want to focus on fully funding an emergency fund. One that's gonna help you get through three to six months. You wanna have that funded because it's gonna take away some of that fear because you know that you have that there to get you through anything. So just focus on the emergency fund and saving and if possible, finding new ways to make income during this time. And I know earlier you mentioned um, people kind of maybe if you want to call it panic buying, stress buying things at the beginning of this that um, maybe they didn't necessarily need to. Are there any other like common mistakes that you would say, hey, I know that now's an, a stressful time. There's a lot of uncertainty, but these are some things that maybe you should stay away from or avoid. You know, which... I know it's hard to avoid, but my biggest thing is the media. Watching TV, like constantly seeing like bad reports. Don't overwhelm yourself in that. Don't overwhelm yourself in everything that's going, all the bad. Try to find some good in it too. There's good media. There are good podcasts like this one. Find the good ones, the good energy. Um, don't focus too much on the negative things because they'll keep you in that negative space. 
Um, some other things that I will recommend is um, finding um, a lot of people are making the mistake of like pulling out of their retirement during this time or pausing their uh, retirement contribution. I really encourage you um, don't stop don't stop um, contributing to your retirement. That's for your future. You want to think long term. Stay focused on that long term goal, and you want to make sure you're constantly funding it. If your financial situation changes, it's okay to reduce it if you need to, but don't stop contributing. Um, especially in the beginning, I saw so many people talking about taking everything out. Like I couldn't respond to every post about it that I seen, but I tried to make sure I encourage people to leave this money. I know um, your fund is dropping, but when you invest, you are taking risks. You wanna ride this wave. Um, and if you can take advantage of investing more if you have the ability, um, because you want to focus on buying low buy stock lows, buy mutual funds, buy different things low. So when times change and we all know it will, then you would have bought it low and then you'll see that increase in your stock value. Bringing your team together during a crisis has been crucial over the past year as companies have endured new challenges of going remote, low morale, social isolation, and more. Kristen Rampey, CPA and owner of Rampey Consulting, told me how teams can use this time to grow and support one another, something everyone can do regardless of their job title or seniority level. For teams, you know, the, the stress is real, the complexity is real. It's, you know, similar to not knowing how to, you know, how to address the team and like having that roadmap. It's really important for people to keep in mind that, um, Trying new things and being adaptable, keeping what works and changing what doesn't are, are really fundamental in a time like this. Because we don't have the playbook, uh, we need to start trying new ideas and figuring things out. And some things will work great. Uh, some things won't work. Keep the ones that work, change those that don't. And then here's the, the added tricky layer of this uh, is that something that works really well for the first week or a week and a half, or two weeks, or a day, might not work the next day. Um, and acknowledging that that's our situation, and that's okay, and we may need to be changing on that frequent of a basis is important. It, of course, is also really stressful for a lot of people to have that kind of constant change. Um, but being aware that what's, what's working now may not work then, certainly what works two months ago, you know, from literally where you show up to work every day <laughs> for many people um, has changed. And so I, I think for reducing the stress, just having that perspective of this is a state of flux for us right now um, and knowing things will change and, and kind of keeping your hat on to, to do your best is really important. I think in, and with some of that change comes inevitably inevitably, probably mistakes. Is there a certain level of kind of grace and leeway that leaders should give their teams as everyone's adjusting to this rapid change? Absolutely. Well, and I really love the way that you even kind of phrase that, just having that sort of grace and forgiveness about the fact that, you know, people aren't going to maybe get things as 
correctly or accurately as they did before because of the heightened level of stress. Just the, the ability to care for oneself takes so much more effort now than it did two, three months ago. Um, I think that that's really valuable for your team. That said, it's difficult for our profession to say, you know, like, yeah, go ahead and make some mistakes. I know it's stressful because we, we really, you know, rely on accuracy and um, accountability and things like that. So uh, I think on the flip side, it's important to, um, you know, not only recognize that, that that's happening and it's sort of a um, not unexpected consequence of our situation, mm -hmm. but maybe you need to add in you know, an extra layer of review or a little extra time to review or, or whatever you need to do so that in the end, our, our product is, is good going out the door, you know, in the kind of accounting industry, um, but absolutely recognizing that, um, you know, stuff like that's going to be more difficult, even just people's availability, right? That, you mm -hmm. know, the person who's got a three-year-old that used to be in daycare and is now at home with said three-year-old and maybe their one-year-old sibling uh, and stuck doing daycare, by themselves. On the one hand, it's a you know, glorious moment for family in a lot of ways. On the other hand, it's hard to continue to keep up with your professional work if you've got that little one running around wanting your attention. Um, and so that too changes just what people are able to sort of produce and do efficiently compared to what they were in the recent past. If you'd like to hear more from any of these experts, you can find the link to their full episodes and interviews in the show notes. And you can always let me know at Salerno. J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O at ohiocpa.com what you think of the show or if you have any topics you'd like to hear more about in the future. And please don't forget to rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. We love to hear your feedback. And as always, thanks for listening.